0: phone notebook Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, October 19th. We begin with a conversation with Mayor-elect Jyoti Gondek. We ask the new mayor her thoughts on this year's campaign and what her number one priority will be once all the pieces are together in the new look City Council.
1: Continuing our coverage on the civic election, we speak with MRU political science professor Lori Williams. We get the professor's thoughts on what's in store for city council with so many new faces being elected on Monday night.
0: Many Afghan refugees have settled right here in Calgary. We catch up with a former Afghan refugee and associate from the Centre for Newcomers for some insight as to what it's like and the challenge of building a new life in a
1: new country. And finally, the countdown is on with less than two weeks until Halloween. It's time to roll out the decorations. The Gadget Guy, Mike Yanni, joins us with some tech tips to up your Halloween display this year that won't break the bank.
0: And our Global News Decision Desk is declaring Jody Gondek as the next mayor-elect of Calgary. 37th mayor, the first female mayor in the city of Calgary. Se- Jeremy Farkas with 30% of the vote. Jody Gondek, 45% of the vote at this stage. She is the mayor-elect.
1: Yeah, 77% of polls reporting now we can make that decision. Uh, Jody Gondek, there it is, 45% of the vote so far.
0: Well, at eight twelve uh, last night, it was Jody Gondek making history in our city, elected as Calgary's first female male uh, female mayor, upending the polls that called this an extremely tight race. And it's our pleasure this morning to be joined by Mayor Elect Jody Gondek to get her reaction to last night's historic election. Good morning to you, Ms. Mayor. Good morning. <laughs> got a great ring to it, doesn't it? Though, uh, did you get? Any was wondering this. Did you get any sleep at all last night? I did. I think I slept a solid four hours. I'm feeling great. You Good can work the radio now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very exciting. How are you feeling? I mean, it, it was a it was a, a tough race. It was you know there was a lot going on, a, a lot of a politicking right throughout the last week or so, moving up to the big day. Uh, how are you feeling this morning now?
2: I'm feeling really proud of the team. Um, my campaign team was with me from the very beginning of this and we have spent a grueling number of months getting to this point. And I think the vision that we put forward for Calgarians was something that people embraced and it gave them a reason to get out and vote. And I'm just, I'm very proud of my team and the work that we did.
1: Let's, let's talk about that. You mentioned grueling through the campaign process, and you were very gracious, you know, in your speech to, toward the other candidates. Let, let's talk about this for a second, the fact that for all those folks who ran and did not get a seat, how we should, you know, get them a, a flower bouquet today, because it is, you're in the trenches for months, aren't you?
2: Oh, absolutely. It, um, you know, it, it takes its toll on you. And you have to remember in politics sometimes, you um, People do things that are intended to be strategic, but they sometimes feel personal. And you have to, you know, compartmentalize that stuff and put it away and keep moving forward. And that's why I'm very hopeful that I'll be able to work with um, some of the folks who ran in this election and didn't win but still had fantastic ideas. I'd like to carry on that conversation with them. You
0: know, a lot of turnover, obviously, on City Council. Uh, How do you move forward and how do you start collaborating? Because I think that was a, a big issue with how people voted yesterday was you know, they weren't happy with the same old thing and the fighting on council. How do you move forward and try to, you know, work together with this
2: group and really accomplish things in the city of Calgary? Well, I'm pretty excited about the level of diversity that we have on council now in terms of skill sets and things that people are passionate about, the experience they've had in their communities. And I think the executive committee of council that we will have for the first time is going to be incredibly important to share the work and make sure that everyone has the opportunity to uh, play a part in the team and share in the recognition for work well done. I'm very optimistic about this.
1: Obviously getting the team together, the learning curve for for the new counselors. i I'm wondering, when everything, everything is settled, what will be job one?
2: Well, job one will remain staying true to downtown strategy that we have in place to make sure that we are filling those office vacancies, that we are making decisions that create a vibrant downtown that's alive at all hours. It's incredibly important to send that signal that we are recovering because, I mean, from a very basic level, that's where we generate a lot of our property taxes. But it also makes us attractive to bringing and retaining talent to our city. So we need to stay true to the decisions we've made around that.
0: We have a very diverse city council now. And obviously, you know, as a woman, I'm very proud that we now have a female who's been elected as mayor. Is that important, do you think, moving forward? Or or is just important sort of
2: get to this point? I think what's important to recognize is that, you know, it's not... It's not something that's um, a novelty to me. I mean, I I happen to be a woman um, and I trained to do this work and I bring the qualifications and the experience that are needed to this position. So I think we're, we're comfortable with me. But the signal that it sends to investors is that our city is one that is inclusive. And anyone who wishes to take on a leadership role like this has the ability to do so. I think that's a strong signal to send.
1: Not everybody you know, on council did see eye to eye with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. Obviously, he had great popularity across the nation. But when it comes down to it, those are some shoes to fill. I'm wondering if you're going to be in consultation with the mayor and get some pointers as you move ahead into this new position.
2: Well, I'm actually going to be hanging out with the mayor this afternoon. We've got uh, a little bit of a transition meeting that'll be happening, and I'm always interested in working with people who have done this position before, uh, whether it's Mayor Nenshi or anyone that preceded him, to get ideas on what worked, what didn't work, and what um, you know, tips they may have for me. So I'm I'm very interested in maintaining that relationship.
0: I don't know if you're aware, but every Friday morning on this program, we've been chatting with the mayor for quite some time. So we're really hoping that tradition is going to continue. And we say congratulations to you, Mayor-elect Jody Gondek. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you. And thank you, Calgary. I so much appreciate the support. Have a lovely day.
0: Calgary Mayor-elect Jody Gondek. Oh, the ballots have been counted and a new mayor and city council have been elected and school boards and beyond as well. But to help break down last night's results is Lori Williams joining us this morning, Professor of Political Science at Mount Royal University. Good morning to you, Lori. Thanks for being here.
3: Oh, it's great to be with you.
0: Luckily, it wasn't too late of a night as we all sat and waited for the numbers to roll in. What, what was your overall take from the entire race and the results, Lori? Well,
3: change. Yeah. Um, just uh, quite astonishing. Um, looking at two incumbents uh, not returning, one we expected not to return, the other, Dan- Diane Collier was a bit of a surprise, um, but she's been on council for 21 years, and uh, her opponent, the successful opponent, uh, ran on a, uh, a campaign, <coughs> campaign slogan of time for change, and that seems to be the, the sentiment in Calgary this morning.
1: Jyoti Gonduk, obviously Calgary's first female mayor, and Calgarians have elected our most diverse city council. How important is this moment?
3: I think it's huge. Um, you know, we're sort of late to the game on this count, but you know, Calgary has made history uh, a couple of times in the last 11 years by uh, electing uh, a mayor that is, is different than what we've seen throughout our history. And I think certainly her record indicates there's a a capacity to reach across differences and work with other people. That certainly was the message last night, and and Calgary very much needs a a council that's going to be rowing together to, to deal with the challenges that we're up against.
0: Do you think that that's sort of the the overall message that Calgarians sent? Then you, you said change was the key to last night and the results. So was it just something that you know Calgarians have? They want to wipe things the slate clean and, and start fresh. We've got only three incumbents back, and that's a big, big change on a council like ours. It's
3: a huge change, and uh, of course not all of the changes are moving in the same direction. So there will be challenges, not just in terms of the issues being faced, but trying to find um, sort of alliances or partners to work with on particular issues. Um, So I think it's a good mix. Of, of different sort of uh, positions across the ideological spectrum and and perspectives and experiences. There is actually, even though there's there's limited experience in terms of, of uh, council, there's a lot of community experience amongst those who are coming here, and, and so that, that bodes well. It's definitely going to be a steep learning curve, but a lot of that experience, I think, will be the kind of thing that that enables new ideas to be brought um, to council. And and certainly, given the, the challenges we're facing, I think that's a, a welcome change.
1: You know, uh, pollsters have uh, have a job to do, and we love to discuss and speculate ahead of Election Day itself. Uh, but if we were to follow the polls, it was going to be a, a very tight, razor-thin margin between, you know, Jyoti Gondek and Jeremy Farkas. Obviously, that was not the case. What happened there, do you think?
3: Well, Jyoti Gondek did win decisively and and you know full credit to her for running a good campaign and getting her her people out um voter turnout wasn't quite as high as i expected it to be um i guess we'll see final numbers but it's it's in the mid 40s um and when voter turnout isn't quite as high uh things get a little bit a bit unpredictable it really depends on who gets their their voters out having said all of that it it it's quite clear um, from all of the polling and all of the pollsters that momentum was decidedly in Jyoti Gondek's favour. All, Almost all of, about four to one, the undecided voters were going to Jyoti Gondek, and there was still in those polls a fairly high percentage of undecided voters, people that perhaps were making up their minds as they went to the polls, or, or in some cases decided not to go because they weren't sure about who to vote for. And that... It's not just what the the opinion polls uh, say in terms of people's plans or leanings or intentions. It's how motivated they are to come out and vote. and And I think it's a credit um, to her campaign that she got her people out, but also just the motivation um, of those who her campaign didn't sort of get to 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 encourage them to get out and vote. That's, I think, what made the difference. Uh, It was absolutely a decisive victory. A lot of people said that um, Jeremy Farkas sort of had a ceiling that he wouldn't be able to get beyond. That looks like what happened Mm -hmm. last night. But in an election where voter turnout is down, things get a little bit less predictable. And and the one thing pollsters can't always reliably predict is is who's actually going to turn out to vote.
0: Laurie, with her record, your thoughts on Gondak being able to helm us through the tough times ahead.
3: Well, it's going to be tough for anybody. I don't think we've got a uh, an easy set of solutions to a complex set of problems. She will have her challenges ahead of her, but again, has a record, even though clearly she has her own meanings and opinions on things and isn't shy about expressing those opinions. Um, she's also willing to sort of come to the table with her information and her or sort of leaning, but be willing to listen to others and work with them, and that's going to be absolutely critical on this council, because if she isn't able to sort of reach across to people who aren't obvious sort of allies, who don't already share her point of view, we're going to have a divided council again, and I think she understands that, and hopefully we'll be able to do that job of, of working, despite some, some differences, um, working on, on mutually beneficial solutions.
1: You know, moving ahead, you know, it was, it seemed like a couple months ago, Jeremy Farkas' election to lose, and obviously we've heard terms like the Farkas Army. Um, Now that he is out of the picture when it comes to his mayoralty run, do you think we see a future in politics for jeremy farkas is that something you would not be surprised to see
3: i wouldn't be surprised um you know obviously politics has been something that he's been very interested in he's been pretty focused on on um, winning his council seat i mean he was campaigning far before anyone else uh, for the 2017 election and some think he's been running for mayor since then as well um so politics is clearly in his blood he's relatively young and most of the experience has been either in research or, or politics so I wouldn't be surprised to see him involved in uh, another level of office, um, but uh, as I think he said last night, he's going to be able to sleep in this yeah. morning, unlike most most other <laughs> folks, and he's probably grateful for
0: that. No doubt. With three incumbents, two returning former councillors, what does it look like in terms of the new councillors and, and everybody sort of as a team what kind of a learning curve is it to get up and running and, and really start to become productive? Yeah,
3: it's extremely steep. Um, those I've spoken to who've been on council and in this position, uh, we often hear it described as trying to drink from a fire hose. It's it's just an enormous amount of work. And adding to the work that this council is facing, they're going to be dealing with the budget within about three weeks. Uh, so just learning procedural matters, you know, the lay of the land in, at, at City Hall, um then sort of looking at this enormous budget document and, and trying to wade through and understand what's going on with that is going to be a huge challenge for all of these councillors. Because after all, it's not you know just a budget to figure out in a, in a time that's like other times. We're dealing with unprecedented challenges in, in Calgary, and there'll have to be innovative solutions. And some people have come to council with a few ideas about that, but it's one thing to have an idea, it's another to, to carry it through. And so they've got a lot to learn to get that happening.
1: The budget, obviously, uh, pu- putting, uh, pushing way through uh, to the economy. Any other top items on the agenda you expect to see in the next several months?
3: I think sort of putting this council, putting their, their stamp on this council, putting a face to Calgary for uh, for those outside of our borders, so in the province. Relationships with other municipalities, with the provincial government, with the federal government. I think there may be some very interesting opportunities there. Now we've got a uh, a Liberal um, MP going to Ottawa and Georgia Hall, who's got connections to city council. I think that's going to be a fruitful relationship. But in the private sector as well, trying to reach out um, and build on some of the accomplishments of uh, the previous councils in terms of trying to diversify the economy, uh, attract innovators here, to, uh, to attract investment here. I think that's going to be a very big job. And obviously a lot of that focuses on the, the mayor and uh, Calgary's economic development people. But I think there will be al- also opportunities for a number of councillors to, to uh, work together to try to get things moving in a better direction.
0: Well, once we get the new mayor and council sworn in on Monday, no doubt we'll be chatting with you again moving forward. Thanks so much for your time this morning, Lori. Thank you very much. Lori Williams, political science professor at Mount Royal University.
1: Calgary has become a hub for many Afghan refugees seeking a new life here in Canada. And this morning, we're joined by Maryam Baiza, Cultural Community Outreach Associate at the Centre for Newcomers here in Calgary. Good morning to you, Maryam. Good morning. Well, we're, we're going to talk about the current situation. But before we get there, I want to talk about you and, and your perspective as a former refugee. Tell us your experience uh, coming to Canada and specifically Calgary.
4: Uh, Thanks for your question. Um, um, I left Afghanistan in 1995 before the Taliban for the first time took over Kabul, the capital city. Uh, Me and my family, we came as refugees to Germany first and then later to Canada. Uh, My father worked as a journalist and human rights activist and women's rights. And because of uh, this, then our life was not safe in Afghanistan anymore. We had to leave the country.
0: It must be very difficult then, Maryam, to be seeing what's happening. It's almost a replay again and and the the people who are trying to get out of that country. And and, and we're welcoming so many into our country, which is wonderful, and and lots to hear in Calgary. So what's the journey like bringing these people from Afghanistan and getting them here to safety and and to finding a new life here in the city of Calgary?
4: Uh, It's a very good question. Uh, Let me give you a little bit of background information about the refugees who are arriving in Calgary? Uh, these people come from a diverse professional backgrounds. Most of them were either working with uh, Canadian troops, embassy, or were engaged uh, with uh, uh, directly with Canadian uh, projects uh, in Afghanistan. Others are journalists, uh, human rights activists, uh, female teachers, judges, uh, sports men and women. Uh, People in entertainment businesses such as comedians, cinema and theater actors and actresses, ethnic minorities and some LGBTQs. They all, uh, when I mean they all, basically all of them have experienced life threats by the Taliban or other uh, extremist groups. They have lost family members who were killed by the Taliban because of working with foreign troops. Uh, The Taliban uh, do not observe human rights and women's rights rights of girls uh, for fair education and social treatment let alone the uh, rights of uh, the lgbtqs understandably this group of people never feels safe under the uh, regime of taliban the security uh, situation for these refugees as well as many who have not yet been evacuated has gone from bad to worse Uh, when the previous government as you know when they collapsed on uh, august 15 this year uh, to escape the Taliban's persecution, they had to leave their homes in provinces and get a shelter in Kabul, the capital city. As we all have seen uh, shocking images from the Kabul airport in the first two weeks of the Taliban arrival in Kabul, finding a way into the airport was a nightmare, mm-hmm. a, literally nightmare. Um, outside the Kabul airport, people had to stand in new deep sewage water for days, wow. showing their identity cards and documents hoping that U.S. and foreign troops can see and allow them to go beyond barbed wires. On the other hand, the panic that the red line uh, for the Western forces to leave the country was fast approaching, which was uh, August uh, 31st. And the bomb blast, probably you remember uh, that a suicide blasted himself and killed over 100 people, including 13 American forces right at the Kabul airport. I personally, I had a chance last uh, month to go to Toronto and speak with some of these refugees in Toronto. One couple told me that on the journey from Kandahar to Kabul, uh, they lost their six-month-old son. Another lady told me that she lost uh, her three brothers in Taliban attack. Another middle-aged woman from the city of Kandahar told me that uh, Taliban killed her uh, 18-year-old son because of... Another son was working with the foreign troops. Yes, they went through a lot uh, before arriving to Canada or to Calgary. Just
1: just before we let you go, Mariam, uh, where can people go, Calgarians who want to help, whether or not it's with with some uh, you know volunteering or resources or funding? Can we go to the Center for Newcomers website, or how does it work? Uh,
4: well, for those Calgarians who would like to help Afghan refugees, first of all. Uh, treat them with respect and dignity because these people went through a lot to rescue their lives and come here most importantly yeah uh, you can refer them to immigrant serving agencies for example the center for newcomers where i'm working as we can help them the most Uh, they can get information about english language assessment in accessing english classes career and job preparation and training, uh, accessing school services for their children. We also help them to rent an apartment or house, including financial support to pay for their rental deposits. We give them culturally familiar food and food hampers, clothing, including winter clothing, furniture, household items, all of them for free. We connect them also to community services, such as how to obtain a driving license. Uh, We refer them to doctors who speak their own languages we can help them to apply for low-income bus passes. Uh, we help them to apply for fair entry and recreation fee assistance. Uh, we also take them to field trips such as zoo, museum or wind sports and many other services free of cost. Of course, if Calderians, if they have time, then uh, they can become a mentor to these families and make them familiar with our city and our system.
0: Thank you for sharing your story, Mariam, and theirs. And we welcome them, and hopefully Calgarians will be able to dig deep and really help out. I'll I'll send people to CenterForNewcomers.ca. CenterForNewcomers.ca. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Mariam Baiza is the Cultural Community Outreach Associate.
1: In less than two weeks, ghouls and ghosts of all ages will be filling the streets in search of candy. Halloween just around the corner And it's about time to get those decorations out. Now, not sure if you knew this, but one of the biggest fans of Halloween is gadget guy Mike Yanni. Each year, he goes all out to decorate his yard using a little tech, of course, Sue. I've seen his house. It's spectacular. Uh, This morning, though, he's going to join us to help uh, deliver the scares without uh, buying those big blow-up ghosts or elaborate props. In other words, on the cheap or the cheaper side of things. Good morning to you, Mike.
5: Good morning. This time of the year, I go by gadget ghoul. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, is that the gadget yeah. cool. Mike Good,
5: love it. I love, I love Halloween, and every year I always try to add something new to the art without making it tacky, because it's kind of easy to cross that line, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. a fine line between tacky and scary, and you can go out and buy those really fancy props. And you know what? Halloween's really taken off in Canada over the last four or five years, but in the States, they're way ahead of us. Like, they have thousands of dollar props you can buy. They go all out. But you know what? You can do it, actually, on the cheap Andy, I know you're going to like that. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. On the cheap, using some technology, really simple ways. The first one I want to talk about is lighting. Okay. This can make a huge difference. Just simple landscape lights. Place one under a tree and shine it up into the branches. It looks really spooky at night. Or maybe place it behind a fake tombstone mm-hmm. or, you know, in the bush or the flower bed. And if you get the colored lights... You can kind of control it so you can, you know, make it turn orange with your smartphone or maybe give a red hue to a graveyard. It makes a huge difference. And what I like about these is that the bonuses you can use them year-round at summer, you can, you know, light up the flower beds. Christmas, you can turn them different colors. Mm-hmm. So it's a cheap investment, and they can last all year round.
0: Financially efficient, as Andy likes. You and I yeah. know that for sure. Okay, let's talk about, <laughs> so that's the light. The sound, I think, is a big part of Halloween, too.
5: It is. It is. Even a cheap Bluetooth speaker. Hide it behind a rock or a tree and maybe play some sound effects throughout the evening, whether it's, you know, bats or cackling. And when it's nice and dark, and especially have that landscape lighting, it can make a huge difference. You know, imagine I'm t- taking even, like, a $30 speaker and putting it in the bush mm-hmm. and then having rustling sounds throughout the evening kids are going to you know take a look back or even jump it is super little. effective and yeah and also i mean you can if you spend a little bit more money and get a really good bluetooth speaker then you can use it in the house all year round too easily you can purchase one for under a hundred dollars
1: oh good stuff there now you might want to spend a, a few bucks because the neighbor has got you beat uh, let's talk about a, a specialized fogger that you, you love to use for Halloween.
5: I do, and Andy, you know, I've used this for a number of years now. We've seen the smoke machines out there, but there's something called a ground fogger, and what this does is it is a um, the fog is it's heavier and it stays low to the ground. This is actually used in a lot of stage productions, and it's amazing effect, especially if you have a graveyard or something like that, where you only get one or two feet of fog, just you know, slowly moving across your yard. The only problem is Calgary is extremely windy. And always on Halloween, we right. seem to get those gusts. So that could blow the smoke away and it kind of loses the effect. But if you have a nice, calm night, it's amazing. You can get those for under $200. You're spending a little bit more on that. But once again, a dramatic effect.
0: Even those little uh, Halloween smoke machines, you can get them for pretty cheap too. Even like at Superstore, you can find those. So they oh, yeah. fun.
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That can make a difference too, right?
0: Yep, for sure. Okay, let's talk about projectors because I know this is a little bit more elaborate perhaps. But if someone's into it, this is a great idea.
5: Yeah, you know, a lot of people are moving into home theaters and do have projectors. So you know what? Why not use it on Halloween night? Take it out of the, uh, the theater room and then put it in your window. Put a, just a white bed sheet and you can purchase animations, uh, scary, spooky animations online for 20 bucks, 30 bucks. And you can have them in your window. And this is a really cool effect. I, in the past, and Andy, I know you've seen this. I think Sue, you have too. I've put zombies uh, clawing at the window, just shadows. Uh, zombies clawing, uh, things like that. You can have a lot of fun with this. And if you put it on uh, a fabric that's see-through, almost like a screen, you can almost make like a hologram effect where you can actually see through it and it looks like a ghost and you can put it in a doorway. It is incredible.
0: Does he give out full-size chocolate bars at his house, Andy? Because I'm coming over. This sounds
1: (laughs) awesome. Uh, You know what? Honestly, like, you've done it again, over the top, but this is where we are. Halloween, a big deal. So thanks for your time, uh, gadget guy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That is uh, the gadget guy, Mike Yanni, and, of course, on Insta at gadgetguymike. And you want to search him on YouTube, you can find his channel by searching... Gadget Guy, Mike Yonick. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast.
0: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.
1: And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 5.30 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.